This week on the Baseline Podcast, Josh and I break down Scott Rowland and Fred McGriff going to the Hall of Fame. What happened to Todd Helton, Andrew Jones, and all the other ones that we thought might make it? Will they make it next year? And then we talk about all the NFL matchups from this past weekend. We talk about the Bengals and what they're doing. We talk about the 49ers and their dominance. And did the Cowboys truly collapse once again? And then we talk about the preview for this week's upcoming NFL matchups and who will be playing in the Super Bowl to win it all. All that and so much more coming up on the Baseline Podcast. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Baseline Podcast. That's Josh. I'm Ben. And we are back. Josh, we're back. It is. Um, I know there's a lot of snow there in Ohio. Here, there is nothing. There is. There's nothing here. It's a cold and a little rain here and there. Um, so I know it's a little snowy. It's more of like a snow episode. In a way, we can call it that a little bit. Right now, it's kind of like in the slushy stage. We also didn't, I don't think got as much as what they were predicting. I think they're saying maybe four to eight inches. We reached a level one, uh, but right now the the roads are kind of plowed, and now yeah, I think the snow has stopped falling well, entirely right now. So still a decent amount out here. But I know my my mom said they got three to five. So at least where okay. they're at, they got some more snow. So I think they're a little south of you. So they um, are a few hours down south. Yeah. But so anyways crazy time of the year we've had we we kind of actually this has been the slowest week of sports josh we haven't had a crazy week of sports for the first time we can actually talk about things more slowly and we don't have to like scream them and then yell at them and then say them yeah so fast. not not a lot of breaking news has been happening uh we do know who the 2023 hall of fame class is going to do for baseball though we and do it's two guys that <laughs> from I got to watch one of them as a kid, and yes. I didn't think he was a Hall of Fame talent. Another one was like good to me, not great. Uh, I'm talking about Scott Rowland and Fred McGriff. Yeah, it's just the way that the Hall of Fame situation so is right weird. now, Ben. Since we've put off all the steroid users like years and years and years, now we're digging down deep into these guys that were like borderline all stars and we're having to reach. And now the Baseball Hall of Fame is just kind of looking like a clown show. But even still. Uh, you were telling me before the show, why aren't guys like Todd Helton and Andrew yeah. Jones also getting into this? Because I, I think mean, both of those guys are much more deserving. And and for those of you that don't know, to get into, okay, the Baseball Hall of Fame is the weirdest Hall of Fame, okay? You want to hear this? This is what's weird. <laughs> the way you they vote, get, like sometimes to, the yes, writers vote, get, sometimes the players put yes. players in and... So you yeah. you have so you it takes five years. Then once five years, you get to be on the ballot and it's 75%. If you get 75% of the vote, you get in the Hall of Fame. We know Ken Griffey did it pretty much unanimously. Uh, Derek uh, uh, Mariano was yeah, unanimous. Yeah, Ken Griffey Mar- was one vote away from being yeah, one, unanimous. one vote away. So basically, they they vote for a certain amount of people. I don't know how many players. That's why some for. years there might be two guys, some years there might be one, yeah. and we've actually had none make it yeah, before. That that's true too. And so then basically, you have ten years on the ballot, uh, and the only way you can stay on the ballot is if you have five percent each year. So that's the only way you can stay on the ballot. Um, if after those ten years you go to this other committee, and then that committee can decide that you were good enough to play, which is weird because it's like old dudes that decide that you. Could, anyways, it's yeah. just a weird process. But anyways. I looked at the list, Josh, and I was going through the list, and I'm like, I like these guys, right? Like Scott Rowland to me, I feel like he was very talented defensively, a solid hitter. Hall of Famer, I think he deserved it. Do I think, was he the first name off that list that should have went? No. I believe Todd Helton, who got ended up getting 72%, so most likely next year, Todd Helton will go to Hall of Fame. be the clear-cut yes. uh, leader yeah. of that class. So yeah, he is 72 a shocker was at at the next place was I believe Billy Wagner had sixty eight percent, which kind of shocked me a little bit. He was uh, always one of the better closers, I think. When when we I would watch, yes. but yeah, for relievers, it, it just seems like it's a lot tougher to get into. Like you got to be super super Stud, clear cut yeah, dominant yeah. as a reliever. Um, yeah. Well, like Francisco Rodriguez, who's fourth ever in saves with like over four hundred, he I think only got twenty some percent. The shocking mm-hmm. one to me though was Andrew Jones, who only got I think fifty eight percent. Which is weird for me because that man had over 10 gold gloves. He had 400 home runs. At his prime, Andrew Jones was. In his prime, he was almost Mike Trout. He was. I mean, he got injured. That's the issue. He had injuries hurt him. When you look at some of these guys. Really dead. Deetered him off like later in his career, the injuries. Yeah. But I'm with you, dude. I think Andrew Jones is a Hall of Fame talent and Todd definitely Helton. should be in there eventually. Yeah. And Todd and Helton, too, even this like is one, of the, one of the clean guys in the steroid era. Yeah. That was still hitting for solid average and for solid power. The crazy part is that this was like his sixth year on the ballot. And I'm like, dude, how did how does it take him this long? But this, I do want to point out, Josh, 
that my man, dad, you listen to me, Bronson Royal. I know you hate him, dad and cousin Brad and, and Jared, I know you all don't like him, but I just want to point out the man got one vote. Okay. Someone out there believed in Bronson Royal. It could have been himself. I don't know, but they believed it was definitely somebody that did not vote. Barry Bonds did not vote. Roger Clemens did not vote. Rafael Palmero and Alex Rodriguez and all these other guys. And they're like, who can we put in? Just because listen, they're digging their heels so far he into this made, he made a hall narrative. Fame. Listen, he's in the 2023 Reds Hall of Fame, so I count it. He is a Hall of Famer. It might not be a National Hall of Famer, but he if is a If you Reds say Bronson Arroyo is a Hall of Famer, it would therefore be a fact. If you said he is a National Baseball or whatever, the Pro Baseball, I don't remember what their official name is, then you'd be telling lies. Yeah, but. that's true. See, I am correct. And I will say some of the other ones, I think Alex Rodriguez got like, he didn't get many. He only got like three. 40 some percent he didn't get a lot i think writers hate him dude no, like they more do. so than they, some of these other hate, guys they like they didn't so like him even before they knew he was taking but by steroids. the way if you look at his stats before he took steroids they were still unreal like they were, they were still ridiculous they were pretty freaking good dude and the same with barry bonds like i believe that barry bonds and pete rose both like pete rose by the way is the one that's really dumb pete rose like, should be in the hall like he this, should be in the hall the thing. fact that he's not in yet still wild. it's a hit king he's a hit king like you can't mm-hmm. no one's gonna break that record i'm sorry he's gonna get four thousand no hits no one um i think barry bonds i think when we're older i think I hate to say this, but it could be when Barry dies, which I hate to say it, but it could be. They that. always seem to do that. They're like, okay, now that he's dead and doesn't have any idea, thinks that we spited him, uh, now we'll put him in. That's you know, how it always goes. And, and it's it, people that are voting that didn't watch Barry Bonds play, and too. Got, like, it's and a lot of voted. these old head writers that are like just, you know, pearl clutchers kind of. And it's yeah. like, no, not they, a Hall of Famer, so we're not going to vote him in. Then once they all die and the new class of writers comes up, they'll be like, why hasn't this guy been put in yet? Well, then there's like Sammy Sosa too. Sammy Sosa is not in the Hall of Fame. Sammy Sosa is another one. Yeah, uh, Mark McGuire. Big, yeah, Mark McGuire is not in there. But the thing is, is you know, all we gotta say is that Bronson Rowe has had more votes than Barry Bonds this year. Just want to point that out. Did uh, Barry Bonds have zero votes? No, I I don't even know if he was on the list. I don't think he was on the list this year. Is he already off the list? I think he he's already off the 5%? list. I think. Well, no, no, because no, I think it's 10, 10 years. He only has ten. Has he years. Wild wow, ten years. Yeah, he might have actually been on the ballot ten years. Yeah, think because I think his I think first two thousand eight was his last year. Yeah, so this would have been his so in two thousand thirteen might have been his first eligible year, and now yeah, yeah and now we're into twenty twenty three. So maybe it would have been, been a, the yeah. ten year window. So wow. and I think I'm Roger old. Roger Clemens is I think is getting I think he's off too now. I don't think he's on. Um, there was some other, I think Alex Rodriguez is getting close. He's not quite there yet, but he's getting close. Um, but yeah, anyways, that is baseball talk. We just thought we'd talk about that. But I will say this about Fred McGriff. I think he, he. if you look at his stats, I think he deserves to be there. Um, but again, some of these guys, you're like, there's so many guys that are not on this ballot that you're like, they deserve it more. But again, nothing against Fred McGriff, nothing against Scott Rowland. Scott Rowland's right. one of the cleanest looking hitters. And when you watch him, I mean, like I said, unreal. these guys are, these guys are good players. But when I was watching them as a kid, I didn't think like this guy's generational or Hall of Fame talent. Yeah. I will so. say this, like Scott Rowland's, I think one of like, I think one of 10 uh, third baseman into the Hall of Fame, which is really impressive. The fact third baseman's only- tough, dude, because most of them all got great gloves, but don't have the bat. Exactly. exactly. Scott did have the bat to his yes. credit. And I think Norlin Arenado will be joining him very shortly. Whenever he, should, he returns. Yeah. Um, but anyways, that is uh, that is baseball talk. We are going to talk briefly about college football. Josh, I know you. I know you had a. You talked about before the show. You wanted to mention. What Deion Sanders is doing out there in Boulder, Colorado. Yeah, Boulder, Colorado, people, is becoming a place of many crazy things, and that's one clue, primetime. Yeah, I mean, uh, we got the news that Carmani McClain, who was one of the few that held out after signing day to figure yep. out where he was going to go, uh, has it decided to go with Deion Sanders. Committed uh, so, to like seven schools by at one point, it feels like. <laughs> yeah, so uh, that means now that he's Deion has had back-to-back the number one corners, I believe, in yep. the last two classes. So and flipped now he's guys. Have, he flipped them too. That's and the flipped, other thing. And flipped both of them, yeah. So Carmani McClain and, and Travis Hunter, imagine uh, what that starting backfield could look like if in they a stay couple healthy. years when. <laughs> if they stay healthy, yes. And if Carmani puts on some weight, I mean, once yeah. Carmani's a sophomore and Travis is a junior, I mean, that, that could be a freaky backfield yeah. for any quarterback yeah. out there that's going to have to be playing those guys. That's going to be a problem. One thing I will say, Josh, I want to warn people, like just – like, be careful, guys. Like, caution people, I should say. Like, p- 
people are coming out here and I'm reading stuff like, oh, Colorado's going to run the table next year. I'm like, guys, just because you add a few you few transfers, you get a couple guys in. They like, were the worst team in college way. football last year. This team has, has a long way to go. And I, I think they have to this, play USC. They have to play UCLA, Nebraska, play Washington. Do they? Is yes. Nebraska on there? Yes. Okay, out of conference. Okay, yeah. Nebraska's in there. Uh, I mean, Oregon is, and Oregon State will probably be in there, and Utah. Like, are they winning against any of those teams? I, I've said I think realistically for Dion's first years, I think they'll go. At worst, I see them going like five and seven. At best, I see them going seven and five, maybe eight wins if somehow crazy things happen. I don't think they're going to not be like, I don't think they're going to be a terrible, terrible team. But again, what, what they're should, not going to repeat last year's no, sales. What should, like, what should if they go, like, if what they should go four and be? eight? If they were to go four and eight, I wouldn't hold that against Dion. Like, I wouldn't say, what a fraud, like fake yeah. coach, no good. Like, if they you take a team from one and 11 to four and eight, I mean, it's progress. I, I think Shador, I people are really hyping him up, and I just still don't see it quite yet because he played at Jackson State, and people are like, well, look what he did. I'm like, dude, it's nothing against the HBCU, but I the level of competition is not the same. I want right. to see Shador do this against a Utah defense, against a, I think, more improved USC defense next year and an Oregon defense that will be much improved. I want to see him do against these teams, and I, I just don't know. Again, I was wrong about Caleb Williams this year. Maybe I'm going to be wrong about Shador at Sanders, but I, I think it's way too much for people to put pressure on him. Again, his dad's prime time, so I mean, he gets more pressure than anybody. But I think at the end of the day, I think Colorado, like people just need to put the brakes on a little bit on Colorado. Let's see what happens in the spring. Let's see what happens in the in the early fall. Because you got to realize, just because you have guys transfer in, they have to learn the playbook. They have to figure out what's life like in Colorado and go from there. Yeah, we've seen some coaches, I guess, handle the portal incredibly like Mel Tucker had the one boom yeah. season. Uh doesn't look like they were he was able to repeat that from this last season. Lincoln Riley basically does the same thing at USC. Yeah. Hammers the portal. We've seen Ole Miss has some success in there. So I don't Auburn know if now. it's like a year if I don't think it's something you can do year in and year out. Oh, like yeah. you can I guess spring load, I guess to start, but eventually you're gonna have to start bringing in some of your own guys because like free getting new free agents i guess essentially every single year it's not going to lead to any kind of like chemistry or flow or development yeah and it is interesting i mean i look at ohio state right and like look at them like they didn't lose many guys at the portal and they didn't add many right because that's a eventually culture. you want to get to that point yeah. where like you're recruiting all your own talent and then using the portal to fit like a yeah. need here and a need there yeah we've like seen they, alabama do that successfully yeah uh we've seen i think ohio state at times be able to do that and Michigan. i do want to doing it right now and we do want to briefly talk about obviously we've talked about the michigan scandal and everything going on with hardball how who knows what's going on up there in Ann armor i do want to talk about briefly alabama like they've lost a, more guys than they ever have to the transfer portal this year they've lost now both coordinators is there trouble in tuscaloosa josh do you sense this is becoming more of an issue than we thought at the end of the year i mean they still got the number one recruiting class for yes, 2023 yes. i believe so i think most of the kids are going there not because of a certain coordinator or because of a certain player. I think out the Alabama brand yeah. is what's still getting it going. But I think we've seen uh, the Alabama brand take a dip a little bit, like just with the wide receiver situation we saw in the national championship game, the depth not being there. Uh, this team, that and that national championship season that they lost was supposed to be the rebuilding year, Nick Saban yeah. said, right, heading into this season. And we figured, all right, best offensive player in the country with Bryce Young being the Heisman, best defensive player coming back in the country, Will Anderson, uh, other talent like uh, Jordan Battle, I believe, at safety, and Dallas Turner on the other side of Anderson. You thought Alabama would explode this year, but – we did see them lose only two games. Both of them were close, but we also saw them lose almost three games. Now the coordinators are gone, uh, like you said, um, and they're having to gonna they're gonna have to replace a lot of guys. Like we're gonna have to find a replacement now for Will Anderson, uh, Bryce Young, and some of those other guys that we've named. More of the guys are hitting the portal. Uh, Sometimes that's not necessarily a bad thing either. Maybe Nick Saban uh, is going to get an opportunity here to uh, maybe let some of the, I guess, the problems go. Uh, maybe some of the, I guess, uh, bad chemistry for the locker room. And now he's got an opportunity now. We rarely see Nick Saban miss on coaching hires. Yeah. Now he's going to get to bring in a new offensive coordinator and a new defensive coordinator. I don't know who those guys are going to be, but I'm not really sweating Alabama, uh, especially since Kirby Smart is – 
I guess right now, if we were to currently say who the best coach was, maybe it's Kirby, but Nick Saban's best college football coach all time. And I think he's still competitive. Uh, we see that with some of the moves he makes. And I'm not going to be surprised if he finds a solid offensive and defensive coordinator at yeah. this stage. Uh, they still got the number one recruiting class. So talent's still coming in the building. We're going to see, though, if he can continue to bring, I guess, the right guys in the building, if that development can still continue. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be interesting, too. You speak of Kirby. I know they're right now projected to land Dylan Rayola, which imagine what a high state fans, all of us are going to be thinking if we had to face George in the future. But again, I, I think that's what's fun about college football, and that's what makes even the NFL even more exciting when you see these guys develop and go there. And speaking of the NFL, Josh, let's recap these games. And boy, was our guest last week, Bryce, and, and our and my brother's so happy after last week. So let's let's talk about these games, recap them, and then talk about predictions for this coming weekend. Sure. Uh, why don't we start with uh, maybe the most boring one first, being the Chiefs and the Jags, and go from there. That was that was so boring. That was one yeah. of the most boring games I've watched. Yeah. I mean, I don't think Kansas City won the dominating fashion. Like, I thought there was going to be a lot more points. I thought there were yep. going to be a lot more overs. And people that probably bet the unders did a lot better, surprisingly, which you don't see yeah. too much. But, yeah, Chiefs only win by seven, 27 to 20. I don't think there was ever any doubt that they were going to lose that game. But there was also uh, a late field goal by the Jacks of 25 seconds to actually ruin uh, the spread to, to cover the points. So all the people that said KC was going to cover it, unfortunately, did not get to do that. But Mahomes, 195 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, he also, I believe in this game was also injured for a little bit there, I think in yeah. the second quarter. So Chad Henney leads a 98 yard drive, but which made David Cohn mostly... so proud because he loved to let us know on every social media platform, Michigan man. Yes, sir. Even though he only had 23 yards in the game, that's what uh, I'm saying. Like I'm like, dude, was the quarterback of a 98 yard drive though. So I guess he did quarterback a 98. Oh, David, drive we love you. We love you, David. We're just giving you, our we time. do. But like we were saying last week, there is going to have to be so much go wrong for Kansas city. And, uh, I guess you could say there was holding Mahomes under 200 yards is nice. The team under 200. 125 passing yards is nice, but they weren't able to get like all the turnovers. Uh, they weren't able to, I guess, get a Patrick Mahomes injury that was going to knock him out for the entire game. Like they got some of the stuff, uh, the dominoes to fall, but at the end of the day, just not enough. Yeah, it was interesting. And I, I do want to mention this before we get into all the games, but it isn't kind of cool to see how this, like the next generation of quarterbacks, if you looked at all these games, there was no. There was no Tom Brady. There was no Aaron Rodgers. There was no, um, you know, some no of these other guys. Yeah, no, no Ben Roethlisberger. Yeah, and so the, this is the next generation, Josh. And I know for us it's hard because we grew up with a different generation, but it's cool to see these young guys. And it was cool to see – I give, my hat, give our hats off to Trevor Lawrence, by the way. That man played through a terrible year last year with Urban Meyer, a rough year overall last year, and then come back this year, struggle at times, but still to lead this team to almost get the conference championship game. Hats off to him. But again, it shows you the Chiefs, how deep they are and how much they trust Chad Henney. Um, because that man feels like he's about 100 years old now. I feel like he's been playing <laughs> since I was a kid. And yet he just, he came and did it against the Browns and he's done it again. And it's just like Chad Henney is just something else. He's just you know, not screwing it up. Yeah, he's he not didn't score and any it, points against the Browns. That's and like, that's he what you screw need. It up. That's, that's he the got thing. that key fourth down conversion and which is questionable, yeah. but you know, um, yeah, as a Browns fan, it's questionable. But no, it that's was about good. all I had on the Chiefs. Yeah, that was all I had. It was good, good see, good game. And uh, the game what? after that was Bengals? the most boring of the weekend. Uh, oh, yeah, no, I was gonna go to Philly Giants, which I don't know about you, Ben. I watched the UFC fights instead of this. This was 28 nothing at halftime, and we had a heck of a fight card. So shout out to Bryce for previewing that for us. But, yeah, the Eagles game was basically yeah. over after the first quarter. The Giants, uh, now in hindsight, I didn't think anybody was going to be all that scared to play Minnesota and Kirk Cousins. The Giants took advantage of that, and maybe we get hyped the Giants up a little too yeah. much. Got to pump the brakes on it because of the fact they beat Minnesota. And it's like, okay. It is Minnesota. It's um, Minnesota. This is the Eagles. They got Jalen Hurts back. We were worried about maybe how uh, the team would be uh, coming off the bye, dealing, I guess, with Jalen Hurts' injury at the end of the season. They didn't look exactly the same, but put Jalen Hurts back in the driver's seat, and they look like the regular Philadelphia Eagles that we're used to seeing, Ben. Yeah, the Eagles are a scary team when he's healthy, and it just showed again 
Um, it is kind of fun though. Our head coach of, of the football team I coach with here in Budapest, uh, he's a, he's from New Jersey. He's a big giants fan. And so this was so sweet to my ears when I got to walk into practice yesterday. Um, but, uh, yeah, the giants, again, I, I'm glad that they're talking about extending both Daniel Jones and Barkley. If they did not, I think that every giants fan should just stop watching the giants because those guys have proven it this year that they, they do deserve a little, uh, especially Jones deserves a little bit more time to see what's going to happen here in the future. Dabble's uh, Dable Dabble. I don't know how you say the name. Dab- Dayball is what everybody's Dayball, calling. Yeah, Dayball. Yeah, he's he did a great job. So really happy for the Giants, but then also the Eagles are just the Eagles. So that's great. Let's move on. Next game. Let's now we it. can talk that Bengals Bills game. I really we had you know, snow. That is true. And the Bengals supposedly people are calling the Bengals cheaters because they wore white uniforms. Like you all just should stop. Okay, they had black on their uniform. They had an orange. The helmet. Bengals it's honestly fine. should wear the icy white uniforms. They look every sick. Game. They're so sick. I, I'm a night Bengals fan. Cool. They're just sick. Um, but in this yeah. game, Ben, uh, Josh Allen didn't do a whole lot. I mean, no, he 265 did not. yards, no touchdowns, a pick. Him and Stephon Diggs. Uh, Got we saw mad. everyone get into that. So, and I don't blame Diggs either. I mean, there were throws in that game that Allen was just flat out missing. It's in like, the okay, snow, it's, though. <laughs> it is the snow, but then you, like, on the flip side, look at Joe Burrow, 23 of 36, 242, two touchdowns. I know he didn't have, like, all the yards, but he was much more accurate. Yeah. He had the touchdowns. Uh, he didn't have his best receiver on the sideline calling him out, telling him how terrible he's been playing. Yeah. So, uh, Bengals jumped off to a to a good start in this one. I think it was fourteen and nothing at one point. Let me check. Yeah, if I can find it was two straight touchdowns. Yeah, here. yeah, fourteen and nothing after one quarter. Uh, seventeen to seven at half, and then yeah, the Bills. Man, I I thought them being on their home field, playing for Demar Hamlin, Josh Allen uh, was finally going to get to an AFC Championship game. I thought and didn't show up. You know, and I mean, I got to credit the Bengals for continuing to play good. Mixon had over 100 yards in this game and continued to uh, be a guy that the Bengals relied on in that second half. They were going more with the run to kill clock, and it ended up working. Bills couldn't stop him. I think uh, Bills were missing a couple guys on defense, Von Miller, uh, Micah Hyde, but they've been missing those guys for a little while. So I don't know if you can necessarily blame injuries on the defense for this loss. I think you got to be looking at the offense scoring only 10 points in this one. There's two comparisons, Josh, that I want to talk about. One is that the Bills are basically the Dallas Cowboys of the AFC. Uh, and no, seriously, are they I mean, America's you, team. No, but you think about it though. They they've gotten the conversation, and I think that's why Diggs is up so upset. I mean, they they're predicted to do well every year. They get they've gotten to the playoffs the last few years, and they just kind of choke. But then also, I got this comparison. I don't know if it's true. I've heard it on a few podcasts now that they're comparing Allen to a um, who are they comparing him to? And I just blanked on who it was. Oh, to Philip Rivers. Which is a very interesting comparison when it comes to he's good in the regular season, had a good year, but could he get them over the top? And that was always Philip Rivers, right? Very good in the regular season, good numbers. Could he get his team over the top? And that is a very interesting point and honestly one that I never thought of until someone said it. Um, mm. But yeah, I think overall, I think you know the Bengals, I mean, Joe Burrow has proved that when Joe Burrow is healthy and when he is healthy, he he is the best young quarterback right now in the NFL. I believe so. And I, that's a from, from a Browns fan that cannot stand the Bengals. But honestly, Joe Burrow, I mean, he, he said this in an interview the other day that, you know, I claim still to be a Buckeye because I graduated from there. I know a lot of the coaches. I I, I developed a lot of what I learned at the beginning, right, of my career. And then I, and I was able to enhance that when I went to LSU. And so to see a guy succeed like that, right, it, it's just, it's so awesome to see because Joe Burrow is an Ohio kid, He's and he's an Ohio kid that I think will play in Ohio the rest of his career. Um, and, and so I think Joe Burrow, just they, they've they done something there, they fixed what they had to fix, and it's going to be interesting to see in this AFC, AFC Championship game. I know we'll predict it. You got to gotta shout out the offensive line, too. That was a huge yeah. concern we had, and I don't know how many of those three or four guys that were initially injured played in that game, but for Joe Mixon to be able to run over five yards of carry, for Joe to uh, not have any turnovers in that game, no interceptions. Uh, I mean, you got to give the guys credit of whether they as, were all as back a Browns and fan or whether the backup stepped up. As a Browns fan, though, it hurts. This hurts. It hurts to know that your rival is just one step away again from a Super Bowl. But as I say, though, to every Bengals fan, you haven't won one. So just. They're getting a lot closer. In, they are. Uh, than boys they in are. Cleveland, though. Listen, they are, Josh. But have they won one? That's one thing we both can say. You can. You can get there, right? 
Horseshoe and hand grenades is the only thing that says you have to be close. Yeah. All right. So I'm just saying. All right. Now, the most, the game that I was most excited for, at least, 49ers Cowboys. I thought the over, choked again. the over underline being at 43 and a half was incredibly uh, low for this game, but turns out it wasn't. That suck. <laughs> Massive under, man. Under betters rejoice. Not me. Uh, I hit the over geez. or took the over, but Niners were only up nine to six at half. Not a whole lot of offense in um, this one. Dak Prescott, not surprisingly, didn't have a good game. Brock Purdy, not a really great the game either. The Purdy. The Purdy. Purdy, you know, but uh, yeah, Brock didn't have an incredible game either. Uh, the running game on either side never really uh was getting going. Both defenses were just playing incredible football at the end of the day. But this is the thing. Got to hand it to the 49ers. I I didn't think that they were going to lose this one. I thought it'd be in a lot different fashion. But yeah, got to credit. You know, uh, got to give credit to Niners. There, there's a couple things. One. I love Stephen. Like I don't like Stephen A, but I love when he just trashes the Cowboys. Because let's be honest, they choked this game. Uh, by the way, Brett Maher missed another extra point. Once I think again. it was blocked, but yeah, still, extra I mean, point, he still misses, he gets, again, right? misses it. Yes. And this is the other thing: is can we talk about that last play? What the heck were they running? The one with Zeke lining up as dude. A center. So I I don't know if you listened to the Kelsey. That brother. was some Chuck Pagano Colts. Yeah, like. I don't know if you've listened to a long time ago. I don't know if you've listened to the Kelsey podcast, but they talk about this on their podcast about that play specifically. And they said, you know, Zeke did a very good job. Like he snapped it. Well, it was a very good snap. He got in the right stance. But the issue was, is he went outside with his hands and then just got bull rushed. And, and, and Jason Kelsey was like, yeah, I think they ran that play in practice, forgetting that the fact that there could be a linebacker bull rushing him right through the end of the ground and then almost getting to the quarterback. Right. So that that was a dumb play. I don't know. Just throw it down the field. Throw a hail mary. Like Dak can get it there. That's besides the point. The other thing I want to say is there's a, a like on TikTok. There's this there's this family that the dad loves the 49ers. and I love Nick Bosa, but this dad is so annoying on TikTok with the 49ers that I'm just like I don't want them to win the Super Bowl because he just it's it's so atrocious. It's I mean he's just like barking. It's it's weird, but they're super famous on the on TikTok, but. Anyways, the the one thing I want to say is that I think this 49ers team proved that their defense can kind of carry them a little bit if needed. And again, Brock Purdy, we, we're going to talk about the awards a little later on. He's having a good year, but please don't win the rookie of the year. Like I, I just that's that's what we'll talk about later, but that shouldn't happen. But the Purd did do well, the Purd. And, well enough. Uh, like we were well saying, enough. Chad Henney didn't do anything to screw it up. I mean, it screwed up. And so now we have a 49ers versus Eagles matchup, a clash of the Titans. And then we have a Bengals versus KC, a rematch in the AFC championship game. Josh, these are going to be some fun games to talk about this weekend. Which one do you want to hit first? Which one we want to dive into first? Why don't we start off with that AFC game yeah, being a it. rematch, man. Patrick Mahomes a good game. versus Joe Burrow, two of the top five quarterbacks in the league. Everybody's going to be expecting a high offensive game, but will we actually get that? Ooh, for me. So this is where I was thinking about this all week, right? Like I look at these two offenses, but I also have to look at these two defenses because both defenses have played pretty solid. They, they played pretty solid over the last few weeks. Um, my score prediction is that both teams will be in the twenties. Um, I, I don't think they're going to get past twenties. I, I just don't. Um, but I think it's going to be like a medium score game, not super high, not super low. Um, but I, I look at the, 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 there's two extra extras for me. I would give one on the Bengals side and the one on the Chiefs side. For me and the Bengals, it's Mixon. Does Mixon keep, can the run game of the Bengals, so Mixon, the offensive line, can they keep the Chiefs unbalanced? Can they run the ball a little bit more and then throw when they need to? Or are they just going to rely on Burrow throwing the ball? That's my one X factor there. For the Chiefs, my X factor is the cornerbacks of, the Chiefs, all the cornerbacks, the safeties, DBs, basically. Can they keep Chase in check? Can they keep some of these other receivers in check? And can they just slow down what Burrow's been doing lately? I don't know what that answer is. But this is my prediction, and this might shock a lot of people out there. And that this might shock – this will shock the world. Like, I, this might be an earthquake, Josh. But I'm actually going to predict that the Bengals are going to win. 
27 to 20. And I'm hurting as I'm saying that because I know my brother is going to love to let me know that I chose the Bengals to win. But let's be honest, every time I don't choose the Bengals to win, they win. So <laughs> this is my counter. So you're taking one for the team. I am taking one for the team here. So Bengals, <laughs> I got Bengals 27, Chiefs 20. I think it comes down to a few plays here and there at the end of the game. Yeah, that's a tough one because we've, we've only seen the Chiefs once. And, and Mahomes, Mahomes might not be healthy. A little bit. And he might not be healthy. And that's the other thing. We don't know how healthy he'll be. Mahomes. Yeah. But uh, Kansas City scores under 30 in their one playoff game. against the Jags. Uh, Bengals have scored under 30 in both of their yeah. playoff games so far. Uh, the over-under line is 47, so they're also predicting that there will not be anybody scoring in the 30s in this one either. And I'm kind of leaning towards that direction too. All the offenses have kind of been underperforming in this playoffs, and I think that kind of just happens. Like defenses kind of step up a little bit. There's more intensity. I mean, every game in the NFL is important, but in the playoffs it's much more important. Yeah. Uh, you also, I think, quarterbacks might be feeling the pressure a little bit more, so – this is one that I think both will score in the 20s in as well. But since I picked Kansas City to be winning the Super Bowl, I'm going to go ahead and stick with that. Uh, I do understand your reasoning. You're picking the Bengals so that they lose, but I'm going to go ahead and for the sake of trying to be right, say that Kansas City is winning just, this one. You're just trying to you're just trying to make up for the fact that you got destroyed by me with the Browns picks this year. <laughs> the Browns picks. I've been doing pretty well with the playoff picks. Though, That's what I feel I'm saying. Like. Well, you know, it's okay. Yeah, I got to give you a, a you know a nice gold medal every once in a while. Um, give me a medal. I, I mean, the Bills one's the only one that I think I really screwed up. That's the true. Bills, that's uh, true. The Bills, the Bills, Bengals game, yeah. but that's true. Yeah. Um. So that's that one, and now I think the probably the more intriguing one, I think a little bit more intriguing, yeah. I think, is this 49ers and what Eagles team are we going to get? That's what I'm going to call it. Well, why don't I go ahead and read some thoughts from our good friend Bryce Palm about how of this course. game is going to go? Special guest, not so, your guest, Bryce Palm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Bryce has actually been doing Madden playthroughs, and on the of Madden playthrough, it said that the Eagles were going to win 31 to nothing, but oh, he's that, not going to go with that. One bit. I don't believe that one bit. <laughs> he's not going to go with that one, but at least for here, we got a. he says the Eagles will win 30 to 20. I expect a stellar defensive game for Philly with some interceptions. I see Purdy struggling to get deep balls thrown against our defense because he will have to scramble a ton. As we saw with Daniel Jones, he hasn't played a defensive line like ours, and he will get to, or like ours, and we will get to him fast. Therefore, they will become one-dimensional early in the game. They have short game talent with George Kittle and Chris McCaffrey, but the Eagles are going to be ready. Our offense will do what it needs to do to get just enough points up early. I truly believe we have the most balanced defense in the game. Better than San Francisco overall. That's my hot take. You'll see it on Sunday. Interesting, interesting. I agree with him 70%. I think I think McCaffrey is more dangerous than people realize. I think a lot more dangerous when he's in the right system. And Kittle, I think... Purdy, like Purdy, just gonna have to manage the game well. As long as he, like, that's my thing. If he manages the game well, he doesn't turn the ball over. If he makes smart choices, I think it's gonna be a lot closer than people realize. Um, for me, it's really hard to get go against these Eagles. Now, now that we've seen Hertz kind of look more like himself, um, it's been very hard for me to choose against the Eagles. I'm gonna go a more low scoring game, but I am gonna pick the Eagles. But I'm gonna pick them very close. It's gonna be twenty to seventeen. Eagles, I think both offenses struggle because I think both defense are going to play very well. I think Nick Bose is going to do some tremendous things on the defense side of the ball for the 49ers. But I just think at the end of the day, the more experienced quarterback in Jalen Hurts and the more experienced offense of line with the Eagles will then make that difference. So I want to go 2017 Eagles. Yeah, uh, 49ers. Everybody, I saw some tweets about how like Brock Purdy was finally going to struggle because he's playing a real defense. I mean, Dallas does have a good one with Michael Parsons yeah. on the line, Trayvon Diggs in the back, you know. But I saw another one that was saying Brock Purdy, as basically the scout team quarterback, has been going against the 49ers defense in practice most yes. of the season. Except this time on offense, he's going to get to have Chris McCaffrey, George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk, and Debo Samuel. So maybe that explains uh, why he's been succeeding so far because he has been going against pretty good defense in practice. But Philly also has a good defense. We saw um, 
49ers get held to 19 against Dallas's defense. I think Philly's defense is a little bit better. And I also was just checking to confirm Philadelphia has only scored under 20 points one time this season. It was against the Colts. So do we think that Philly's offense is good enough to get 20 on the Colts? I think I'm mean, not the Colts, the 49ers. I think that's what this is going to come down to. Cause I think, I think Philly's defense I'm with Bryce. I think that they're going to make Purdy struggle a little bit. Um, as I'm laying out this argument, Ben, I realized that I should go with the Eagles to win the game, but since I'm stubborn and picked the 49ers to be in the Super Bowl when these playoffs started, I'm going to stick with that. And say that the 49ers are going to win somehow, that Philadelphia will not be able to score 20 points on this Niners defense, and that the 49ers are going to come away with a 17 to 14 victory. Trying to sound like Skip Bayless over there. Um, no, I, yeah. I, well, now give me the Shannon Sharp response. Well, I first want to apologize for the way I've been acting uh, on the court side uh, against the Memphis <laughs> there Grizzlies. There you go. You don't have um, to say anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Which, by the way, don't apologize, man. I mean, okay, kind of apologize, but still, whatever. I don't care. Um, <laughs> we, Josh and I, we would never do that. We would probably be the ones that would be in the upper deck because we're too poor to be on courtside seats. Um, but at the end of the day, I think it's going to be an interesting matchup because I really think this could determine um, how depressed I will be for the next year. Um, because if both the Eagles and the Bengals win, then either way, I'm just going to be like, have to hear it from one of the people that are on the show the most consistently. Let's just say this, Josh. If they both win, one of those guys is getting banned. They, they're not allowed to come on the show for like a six-month period. Just like a, <laughs> it's like a ban, an ultimate ban. Um, yeah, I don't know. I I feel like out of all these teams, like I, I do kind of lean towards the 49ers. I'd love to see them win mostly. Yeah. But if we did get a an Eagles Bengals oh, matchup, I, it would be no question. I'd be Eagles, going Philly. Eagles, yeah. I'd be going Philly. Yeah. <laughs> Jared, Mostly because of Jalen Hurts. I love uh, Jalen Hurts as a player. And, I think that uh, he was overlooked. I think that people were counting him out too early. And now he's, uh, I mean, just just a good dude. Like, I don't know any how you can really hate on Jalen Hurts. And also how obnoxious Jared will be if the Bengals do win. Let's just be honest. Yeah. It will be obnoxious. Um, but that, anyways, that that covers the 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 previews. But we do before we go today, we do want to give our thoughts and prediction on who's going to win the some of the main awards here in the NFL because there are some that are a little weird. Um, but Josh, let well, let's start with the MVP race because I think that's going to be the most fun one to predict because um, I think it's not really clear cut and dry this year. So yeah. um, give me your, give me who, give me the candidates and then give me who you think is going to win it. So we got on here four quarterbacks, Patrick Mahomes, Jalen Hurts, Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, and then one wide receiver here, Justin Jefferson. Interesting. Yep. So who, who do you think, who do you got in this or who do you think will win and who you think should win? Well, if we're going by tradition of who's the quarterback of the best team, it's going to be Jalen Hurts. Yeah. If we're going by who I truly think is the most valuable to his team, I think that's got to be either Joe Burrow or Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. I. It is interesting. I, I believe who I think will win, I think it's going to be Patrick Mahomes. I think who should win should be Joe Burrow. I think what Joe Burrow has done now two years in a row, but specifically this year, the way he went from 0-2 and, and now they're literally a game away from the Super Bowl. Um, and nothing is Jalen Hurts, but I, I really think Josh Allen's not even the question for me. Jefferson, that's just like, hey, you're a wide receiver, get in there. The token um, non-quarterback. Yeah. So I think I think it comes down to those two. And I, I believe Patrick Mahomes will win, but I think Joe Burrow should win. That's my thoughts. Yeah, and just to be concrete in mind, I would give the MVP to Patrick Mahomes, but I yeah. do think Hurts is going to be the one to win it. Over here to Offensive Player of the Year, Patrick Mahomes, Jalen Hurts, and Justin Jefferson once again. Now, we have seen wide receivers like Michael Thomas get the Offensive Player of the Year, and they although don't... it is kind of wild to me. If you're not even the best Offensive Player of the Year, how can well, you be like, this is the, the best and most valuable player? The way, so. the way we've seen in the past, though, is they don't always give the same. It's kind of like a thing, like you're the MVP, we get that Offensive Player of the Year. They don't always give it to the same person that won the MVP. Yeah. So It's like with the Heisman and the Davey O'Brien yeah, and exactly. the Maxwell and all that stuff. It's, it's never like Max Duggan won the, I think, the Davey O'Brien. Yeah. It's like, okay, so that means he's the best quarterback. So how did a quarterback that wasn't him win the Heisman? Exactly. So for me, uh, I'm going to stick with Patrick Mahomes. That that was my pick, obviously, for the MVP. But I do would not be surprised if my who I think will win will be Patrick Mahomes. But I think 
should could also be Justin Jefferson. I think they might do that if they feel so inclined. Yeah, I actually think that though the one they're going to give this one to is Justin Jefferson. Let me rattle off his final regular Which season is stats for you. Yeah, stupid. Uh, one thousand eight hundred and nine yards. The eight touchdowns will hurt him, but one hundred twenty-eight yeah. catches. Uh, well, it didn't help that he played with Kirk catch. Cousins. Didn't help he played with Kirk Cousins. So. Yeah, uh, I mean, they also made the trade for Hawkinson, too, and you got M. Thielen opposite. So, like, touchdowns, I feel like, are maybe the – touchdowns are imagine, important, right? Scoring points, but yeah. I think they're a little overrated when looking at wide receivers. Imagine stats. if he gets traded to the Bengals. Oh, goodness. That would that would be – Traded or signs after his rookie deal. Man. It's terrifying. Yeah, so that's uh, offensive player of the year. I think that they might give that one to Justin yeah. Jefferson just because yeah, yeah. we have seen dominant wide receiver seasons get that award, so – I'll go with Jefferson. Now, defensive player of the year. We got Micah Parsons. We got Chris Jones. And we got Nick Bosa. Oh, it's Nick Bosa. And I know you've been adamant on who should win this award. Yeah. Explain to us why that man <clears throat> should be Nick Bosa. I it's I for me it's cut it's cut and dry. It's I mean, he's got 18 and a half sacks. If you watch his game film, he is the most dominant player on the field every single time he gets on that field, right? And p- people don't realize, like, if he would have played his his junior year at Ohio State and didn't get hurt, because if people don't remember, he got that abdominal tear, didn't play, he was going to be on pace for a, a Chase Young-type year that Chase Young had the next year, right? So I, I think at the end of the day, I just think that Nick Bosa, his overall work, not just numbers, but if you look at his overall work of what he does with he takes double teams or whatever, he, he's good. And he might be better than Joey. You know, Joey Bosa is very good, but I think Nick Bosa might be, you know, a little better than him. Um, Chris Jones, I mean, he's he seems he's always consistent, which is good. Micah Parsons is a freak, but at the end of the day, I think who will win it? Nick Bosa. Who should win it? Nick Bosa. I do like Micah Parsons' flexibility. You can kind of put him anywhere on the yeah. field, and he's going to dominate. But Nick Bosa's got more sacks. He's got yeah. more tackles for loss, and just one less solo tackle. So I think it's got to it's got to go to Nick. Yeah, it has to. And I'm it will. with you, Nick Bosa for Defensive Player of the Year, uh, Comeback Player of the Year. We have Saquon Barkley coming back from the injuries, mm-hmm. Christian McCaffrey coming back from the knee injuries, mm-hmm. and Geno Smith, who finally didn't suck. I'm gonna go with yeah, the playoffs. I, I think my this the okay. Who will win? I think it's gonna be Saquon Barkley. Who should win? Should be Geno Smith. Um, I think they're gonna give it to Saquon because Saquon's had such rough years the last two years, and he did have a very good season. Same with McCaffrey. I think that could be interchangeable. One of those two, but I just think Geno Smith deserves it. I mean, what that guy's went through his whole career and the, the season he had to basically like put the middle finger to Russell Wilson, pretty much. Um, I think. Geno Smith deserves it, and I, I want him to win. I, I don't know if they'll go that way, but I think he should win it. This is where it gets interesting to me because it's like comeback. That means that like they were yeah, good exactly. before and then had to go through something that's, tough, and yeah, now they're that's good the, again. That's so it's like, saying, was Geno yeah. Smith ever actually good to begin no. with? Like Maybe you could say most improved player of the year. But to me, like the comeback, I, I really think uh, Christian McCaffrey uh, coming back from a couple injuries – uh, switching teams this season and still succeeding, I think uh, I would lean more towards him. But like Saquon Barkley basically has the same, I guess, argument. But I think Christian McCaffrey, uh, the better player. Uh, but again, who had the, I guess, the harder way to come back from? You can make an argument there. But I would lean yeah. more towards CMC just with the team change, too. Yep. Now, coach of the year, we've got Kyle Shanahan of the Niners, Doug Peterson of the Jags. Brian Dayball of the Giants. I've been um, hearing a lot of talk for Dayball. What I'm going to go. I'm going Doug Peterson. I mean, that team was a wreck. Like, literally, we, if we watched football last year, the Jaguars were a wreck. They were lost. Um, I felt like they weren't really consistent. Um, obviously, we saw that. And then this year, what he's done with the offense, what he's done, been able to do when players are healthy. I just think Doug Peterson has just done an absolute amazing job. And we know what he can do. We know what he's done in past places. Um I just think he's done a tremendous job, and that, that's my vote. I don't think he will win. I think uh, uh, Dabble will win it, but I, I believe that Doug Peterson should win it. Yeah, I mean, all these guys got good arguments. Brian Dayball uh, kind of making Daniel Jones a good player and leading the Giants to the playoffs. Uh, Doug Peterson, I mean, even this season alone, they had to overcome a lot, and they ended up being a playoff team. But honestly, man, I'm 
I'm thinking Kyle Shanahan and just okay. for the simple fact that how many coaches in this league could have still maintained, I think they finished 13 and four and they were finishing the season with their third string quarterback. Yeah, it's true. Like would Doug Peterson have been able to do that if Trevor Lawrence goes out and their backup goes out? Would uh, they've all been able to do that if Daniel Jones goes out and their backup goes out? Like it's just, and I know that there's other guys on this team that are talented, but it's like, I don't know how many teams are winning championships or even competing for championships with their third string quarterback. Yeah, so, sure. and Kyle Shanahan to me, I think he's he's been due for I guess his credit. So I'm yeah. I'm leaning more towards Kyle on this one. But Doug Peterson, I mean, taking a a chaotic organization like the Jags, who's been going through years and years of sucking, and then finally they get the right man, I guess, on to lead the ship. And I understand that argument too. Now we got some rookie awards here. We'll start with. Uh, the offensive rookies. This Speaking of third string quarterbacks, this is Brock Purdy is on the list. And I think Ridiculous. he's only here because they needed a quarterback Stupid. on this list because the other two are Kenneth Walker and Garrett Wilson. And there's no Chris Olave. This is the biggest travesty of all awards. And I'm not saying this is a high safe. Fan. I think all of us that watched the NFL this year saw Chris Olave was one of the best receivers, not just rookie receivers in the NFL. And he doesn't get a place on the list. Like nothing is Brock Purdy. He's done great, but he started five games. Like this was the end of the year. And I know he's had a great year and, and you need that quarterback. Just be okay with the fact that they're all sucky quarterbacks this year, except Brock Purdy at the end of the year. Right? Like you look at the numbers. Kenneth Walker deserved to be there. Garrett Wilson for sure deserved to be there. And Chris Olave. Yeah. He didn't have the touchdown catches, but he was playing with a crappy quarterback and yet he still put up these numbers. Taysom Hill was throwing him balls, right? Like to me, that was the most biggest travesty of everything. And that's why I believe, and it should. And if it does not happen, I will be so furious. Garrett Wilson should win this. And it it shouldn't be a question. Like what his numbers are. Like maybe Kenneth Walker maybe gets some votes. But let's be honest, Josh. I I don't see who else can win it outside of Garrett Wilson and what he did with the Jets and the fact that the Jets offense was so bad and also that he played with like five different quarterbacks this year. That's also true, yeah. Yeah, to me with Brock Purdy, man, it's like if he played like he did all regular season That's long, then I yeah. think he'd have an argument. But he yeah. played, what, five regular season games? Yeah. It, I don't think you can do that when you got receivers like Chris Olave that played all season with quarterbacks that weren't so great as did Garrett Wilson, and they both get over a thousand yards as rookies. And like, easy, kind of wild. A thousand yards, but I think I think the clear cut rookie of the year right here has got to be uh, Garrett Wilson. Led all rookies in receiving yards with one thousand one hundred three, only four touchdown catches. But again, uh, I think some of that can on the kind of offense you're in, the quarterback that you're playing with. But yeah, I'm with you on Garrett Wilson. That shouldn't uh, that shouldn't be too controversial. Hopefully. Defensive rookie of the year, I think yeah. we got a little bit more of a an argument here. We have Ahmad Sauce Gardner, Sauce. who you've been high on. Oh, yes. We have Aiden Hutchinson, who I think we're both surprised to see that he's yeah, I am a rookie of the year finalist, given yeah. how we thought that uh, he might pan out as a rookie. And then we got Tariq Woolen from the Seahawks, who's just kind of like throw added here because they needed a third yeah. guy. But it's either Aiden or yeah. Ahmad to me. And to me, I think Aiden's been playing incredible for a rookie. But I think Sauce has been playing incredible for a veteran. I just want to point out, I want to make this very clear again for all of you that have listened since back of the draft. I want to just point out that who got that pick right? This guy right here. Yep. Predicted that one correctly. Derek Stingley was still the first corner off the board. Just like shut I said, up, though. okay? Shut up. <laughs> okay, I got it exactly right, okay? You got um, the player to the team. I did. Um, no, I believe that Sauce has just been... Like I, when I watch Sauce play, I think he's been playing the year, the league for like four years. Like the, the he's so developed, he's so consistent. Um, and I think at the end of the day, you, Sauce Gardner played well. Aiden Hutchinson played well, but again, I look at what Sauce did on a, on every single down. He did, he made plays, and Aiden Hutchinson, yes, made plays. But at the end of the day, I think um, Sauce was just that much better. And also, wouldn't it be crazy to see two Jets players make Rookie of the Year, and yet they still don't make the playoffs? <laughs> Classic Jets. Crazy. Yeah. They hit on all those picks, though. So future is hopefully can you bright imagine, for Jets fans. Can you imagine Aaron Rodgers with Garrett Wilson? <laughs> That'd be something else. Man. Just saying. Yeah, it'd be something else. Yeah. Uh, Aiden Hutchins, though, just want to shout out nine and a half sacks and three interceptions as a rookie. I mean, like I said, it's a solid season for a rookie, but I think Sauce has been doing things that yeah. most veterans would love to do. Then finally, we got assistant coach of the year, which maybe you've heard of some of these guys. I've heard of a couple. 
Ben Johnson, Lions offensive coordinator. D'Amico Ryans, 49ers uh-huh. defensive coordinator. And Shane Steichen, I hope I said that right, Eagles offensive coordinator. Uh, I'm going to go D'Amico Ryans just because, frankly, it's the one name I recognize the most. Uh, and two, I think, but I think generally if you look at the three teams, I think what he's done with that defense and what Nick Bosa is doing is really good. I think it's going to be between him and then the the last guy you said for the Eagles. But I, I really think it's D'Amico Ryans because of what he's done with that 49ers defense. Yeah, maybe maybe uh, I'm in the minority, but I feel like Ben Johnson from the Lions, I don't know how much of that offense success was credited to him. I just know there was a lot of young uh, players thrown over there. Uh, yeah. Guys like Amon Ross, St. Brown, Jameson Williams, DeAndre Swift, Jared Goff. Uh, the offense for the Lions has been clicking all year. That's never been an issue. Uh, and maybe he has something to do with that. Uh, so, again, yeah, I would hope that the coach that did have the most uh, – I guess, involvement with their unit success gets it. Because sometimes we see coordinators just take over and they're running like a head coach's offense. And it's like, he's not even the one calling the plays. Like, how can he be the guy? So it's like, I don't know if Ben Johnson's that kind of situation, but I feel like uh, all these guys got solid arguments. Yeah. Yeah. And those are the awards, people. Those are the awards. Uh, I also know the, the first and second all pro teams came out. Some interesting names there. Nick Chubb of the Browns. By the way, uh, Garrett getting second team all pro is a little suspect, but that's just me. Um, but no, we, we know what's going to happen, obviously, with the, the playoffs here. And, and just so you all know, yes, there will be more talk of non-football. We're getting to the end of football, people. We are getting mm-hmm. to the end of football, which means basketball talk will be coming out. We'll do our, I think we'll do some type of bracketology. I know Fifth and Goal's done it already, so please go check theirs out. It's really awesome what Johnny's doing. Uh, but I know we'll have like our, our kind of our predictions as we get later here in the basketball season. Um, we'll obviously do a, a bracket type thing. We'll go through the bracket uh, again. Um, NFL draft stuff will be coming up here. We're going to do our mock draft. Once the NFL scene's over, we'll do a mock draft once we know, or maybe up until the Super Bowl, once we know where at least most of the teams will be. Um, and so all this stuff will be happening uh, as we get close to that. And obviously, as football season ends, it will allow us to talk more. But then it doesn't because technically I'm coaching Hungarian Football League. So who knows? We might have film breakdown uh, on the show. I don't know. I haven't decided yet. I think it'd be kind maybe. of fun. To see how bad the team is. I don't know. I mean, we haven't played a game yet. So, um, but at the end of the day, I think it's just super fun to to see the the change of the seasons, Josh. The to see from football, and then we move into basketball, and then the baseball. It's just a. F- I love sports, Josh. I just love sports. <laughs> it's a good time. Yeah. Um, I guess that period where uh, NFL ends uh, might be. Tough for some of, uh, I guess, the more casual fans. But to me, it's like, okay, this is when spring training baseball starting up. Yep. This is when March Madness is starting up. This is when uh, the hockey uh, NHL season's kind of winding down. We're about to see who's going to be making the playoffs there. So Not the Blue Jackets. To me, it won't be the Blue Jackets. Yeah, so to me, I mean, spring uh, post a Super Bowl sports are, are never a bad time. No, never a bad time. And you know what's a never bad time, Josh, is to leave a comment on what your favorite sport to watch is, whether that's the NHL, whether that's uh, maybe soccer or whether that's baseball, football, whatever it is, let us know in the comments. It's a great time to do that right now. And also it's a great time to make sure if you've loved this episode on YouTube, if you love watching it, listening to it, I don't know if you're watching and listening, maybe you're just listening. I don't know on YouTube, make sure you click that thumbs up button, hit the subscribe button and that notification bell. We've had some gain in subscribers lately. So we really appreciate that. Um, it's always fun when I go to school or I go talk to somebody and they're like, yeah, we watched your video. It's, it's awesome. We, we do appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Um, let us know what's going on. Uh, what, what you would like to see, what maybe guests you would like to see. I know we're trying to work behind the scenes to figure out those kind of things. So please let us know in the comments as well if you would like that as well. Then if you love listening to it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, make sure you share it with your friends, listen in the car, make sure you give us a five-star rating if you'd like it. If you like Josh's shirt today, five stars. If you don't like his so shirt. strong. Yeah, if you still don't like his shirt, five stars. You're um, probably weak. You're probably weak, yeah. Uh, But anyways, we do appreciate it. We hope you have an amazing weekend, um, and we hope that you have a um, great time with family and friends as well. Go watch some football. Go watch some basketball, whatever sport you like. Until next time, we'll see ya.